Hello and welcome back to the Give and Go here to talk all things Asian Cup football. Please, if you haven't already, make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. Come join the Give and Go community as we continue talking about this beautiful sport. Guys, we got two two big games to talk about here, and I want to get right into it. Starting off with Uzbekistan facing off against Thailand here. Uzbekistan, a team that we selected as our dark horse pick of this tournament, mm -hmm. and Thailand, a team that has completely surprised us and honestly been playing some really good, formidable defensive football so far. Uzbekistan comes out on top with a 2-1 victory here, putting pressure on Thailand and really, you know, asking the question, how will Thailand respond once they've been scored on? Because leading up to this point, they had not conceded a single goal in this tournament. Yeah. Uzbekistan gets two past them and they end up winning this game across the 90 minutes. Yeah, I think this scoreline was honestly a bit misleading. 2-1 but I thought this result was really straightforward for Uzbekistan. Thailand virtually offered nothing going forward other than two really good one-touch football sequences, one of them actually leading to a banger of a goal. But other than that, Thailand didn't really do anything in this match, man. They could not hold on to the ball in the midfield, which is why I thought they would definitely lose this match. They were really good defensively. That feature stayed the same as they had shown in the group stage. Dola was phenomenal. Their best asset at the back for sure. And honestly, probably one of their best assets up front too off of corner kick and set pieces. But that's kind of all Thailand have, man, because for... 90 minutes of this match, it was just Uzbekistan with the ball, switching it back and forth, trying to figure out where the space is in this Thailand defense. Yeah, to summarize the game in like three separate actions, Uzbekistan goes up after dominating for like 20, 30 minutes, and then they kind of take their foot off the gas pedal for a little bit, just trying to control the game. Thailand then gets a crazy goal to make it 1-1, and then Uzbekistan realizes, okay, we got to get the lead back here. We got to get back on top, and they do that right away five minutes later with Faisalayev scoring a beautiful goal yeah. as well. I agree. Very straightforward, and it's a, that goal that Thailand had to get in order to get on the board. I mean, you saw what it took for them to break the defense. It was a quick one-touch, one-two-touch play from outside the box, deep, long-range shot, beautifully curling ball goes into the back of the net, but that's what it took, man. It was a crazy moment like that to just equalize the game. Once Uzbekistan went up in this match, I really didn't see Thailand breaking their defense. No, not really. And honestly, I think a lot of people kind of overestimated this Thailand team. Really hard to gauge, though, since they were in probably the weirdest group out of this entire group stage. But Uzbekistan, I thought, handled this really well. And if anything, I think this was Uzbekistan's best performance mm -hmm. so far in this tournament. We've kind of talked about, the, though, since we highlighted Uzbekistan as our dark horse, they had such a weird first game against Syria, but we had hoped that game by game they would slowly improve or maybe even greatly improve if they wanted to go all the way to a semifinal or final appearance. But I think they've slowly improved. And once again, I do think that this definitely was their best performance. But it also shows you that Uzbekistan's definitely not firing on all cylinders because it, the game was 2-1. But if you really look at the amount of half chances Uzbekistan created, this game should have been like four, maybe even five. But they just couldn't crack that Thailand defense at the end of the day because... 
when Uzbekistan would get a really nice play going, they would just then botch the mm-hmm. final chance, mm-hmm. botch the final cross, the final pass, or the final shot. They're a little sloppy, but that's been Uzbekistan this entire tournament. Really good in certain areas on the pitch, but ultimately, when where it really matters right in front of goal, Uzbekistan's been pretty wasteful, and that still showed today against Thailand. It, it gets really interesting, though, because... It's why I have Uzbekistan as the dark horse. The way they approach the game offensively is super unique. It's honestly kind of like Barcelona, Madrid, Manchester City. It's an emphasis on trying to dissect the opponent's defense. Masharipov always looks for something cheeky. Always looks for like a crazy through ball or something over the top. Faisulayev plays very tight, tries to turn. Udunov is just kind of like a chaotic out-and-out winger. But it completely relies on how precise everybody is. And Uzbekistan have been a little loose this tournament, man. And, and it, it once again showed today. They have to be super tight for their offense to fire on all cylinders, but they just haven't been. But the way they've been playing is good enough to beat teams like India, or in this case, Thailand, and go up to the level of Australia too. So I think Uzbekistan will definitely back themselves in that game against Qatar. But yeah, I just think Uzbekistan can still give more. Yeah, I agree. They need to be way more sharper, um, especially in those quick one-two touch plays that they had. Yeah. I feel like they had a lot more this game than they've had in past matches. Or right off the gate, they came with a much more intention. I thought mm-hmm. their intention was really good this game. Yeah, I could see the ideas, what they were trying to do. But like you said, that that final touch, that final ball, really ruined what could have been some beautiful goals, man. Yeah, like it happened man. multiple times where I was screaming at the TV because I was like, man, like that's a highlight waiting to happen. Yeah. Just finish it. So I agree. But it is crazy that even with that wastefulness they've got six goals and four matches so far and yeah i think they completely back themselves going against qatar they just have to be sharper and that's really what it comes down to with this uzbekistan side if they show that confident form in front of goal if they can provide to be a reliable team just for 90 minutes they can find themselves beating a host nation that's on fire at such as qatar at this tournament so the potential is there it's the same narrative we've had for them this whole tournament it's getting slightly better every single game. Right. Do we see it come to fruition against Qatar? Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the big question. And I do think they're going to still step up once again to their opponent's level against Qatar, which is really exciting for Uzbekistan. Udunov, I thought, had his best game of the tournament so far, although still very wasteful at the end of the day. This was the most dangerous he's looked in this tournament. And I, I, I forget his name, but he took over Shukurov, who was ill for this game. I think his name was Kamratov. He was the number six in the midfield of Uzbekistan today. The first minutes of the tournament, but he was phenomenal. Box-to-box midfielder, busy, active in this match. Got the assist on the first goal as well. So honestly, I'm, I would actually start him over a healthy Shukarov in the next game. I thought he had a phenomenal match. Masharipov, once again, dominating on the ball. He just needs to be a little sharper. Just needs to be a little bit sharper. So I think Uzbekistan, again, are going to be going into that game against Qatar feeling pretty good. If you're a Thailand fan, I'm sure you leave this tournament still proud of your team. I think making it out of the group stage was a big accomplishment for them. And for Uzbekistan, I mean, it's still with the hopes of making a deep run in this tournament. Match rating for this one. Match ratings where we rate the quality of the game, the entertainment factor, the goals, everything we saw. Ultimately, I end up giving this one a 6.7. There's three goals in this match, but everything in between was pretty lackluster. And the only time I actually found myself entertained was when Uzbekistan was trying to push forward and trying to create those fun opportunities. Uh, But Thailand just didn't provide much of a threat, I think, that made the game very competitive. Yeah, literally the exact same analysis here. So I I gave it a 6.5. Thailand just 
didn't bring anything to the table, but Uzbekistan made it fun. All right, next up, we have Saudi Arabia facing off against South Korea, a matchup that to many was the matchup to watch here in the round of 16 with these two big-name Asian sides going head-to-head. An insane atmosphere was present yeah. for this game, mainly the Saudi Arabians coming out, but there's also that South Korean population making it known that they're there to compete and they're there to root for their team. We saw a cagey, cagey affair here that ends with South Korea coming out on top in penalties mm. after tying the match late, late in regulation. Is this one of those games that we just got to gotta go play-by-play play here? Should we... Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, the thing is we could low-key just skip to the second half, man, because <laughs> that first half was a grind, dude. Grinded my gears because nothing was happening. Yeah. Saudi Arabia had a lot of the ball, and they look good. They look good. They look strong on it, but, dude, they could not crack the Korean back line whatsoever. And for Korea, when they did get the ball, they were so direct that they lost it very quickly, very frequently. So there really wasn't an end-to-end -end or ebb and flow to this match. It was just a cagey affair, as you said. All of the play was just a battle in that midfield for 45 straight minutes. Yeah, there, there was a play in the towards the end of the first half where Saudi Arabia had an insane opportunity where they hit the post twice <laughs> yeah. off of a corner kick and then the third shot just grazing the post as well. That was probably the most uh, notable part of that first half. I did think Saudi Arabia was playing a little better. Yeah. And South Korea looked a little sloppy to me, man. Mm -hmm. They looked a little... Like, they hadn't just shown up for the occasion. I was getting worried. And from a South Korean fan perspective, I was like, oh, they must be fuming right now what they're seeing so far from their team in this first half because they did not show a intention that I was hoping for them to have until very late in this game. Yeah, and, and in the first half, too, the only chance Korea had was a half chance with Min mm -hmm. Sun, mm -hmm. ball over the top. Gets a little bit of space, but the Saudi defense catches up to him, so he can't really get a clean shot off. But yeah, Saudi Arabia almost scored, but then they start off the second half with pretty much the same energy. This time, though, instead of Alshedi missing that header chance, it's Radif who super sub impact here with a really nice finish to make it immediately 1-0 and a goal that this game desperately needed. Yeah, was that Al Saudi touch intentional? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> but it dropped perfectly so into Radif's pass. Yeah, so yeah. perfect, man. That's the magic of Salem, I guess. And for the next 20 minutes, Saudi Arabia and the Saudi Arabian fans in that stadium completely took over. I honestly thought Saudi Arabia were going to get a second goal because they had all of that momentum and they could smell that Korea were just weak. Weak they've been all game long. And I, I just thought they were going to get that second goal. But at around the 70th minute, Roberto Mancini and the Saudi team as a whole decided to bunker in yep. yep, and i was just like as soon as that happened i was like oh there's 20 minutes left plus at least 10 minutes because there's a lot of stoppages up to that point that's 30 straight minutes of just defending an onslaught that's going to come from korea there is no way that they hold on to this even though it's 11 v 11 there is no way you're playing with fire when you mm -hmm. do that and so, yeah, for the next 30 minutes, it was just a Korean yeah. onslaught just going at the Saudi yeah, defense. Yeah, bro, I, I hated that decision because it played. they played it right into South Korea's hands. Yeah. That's what they needed to just start making
making that push, that final move, if they had kept that same game plan that they had going for the first 70 minutes, they probably could have iced the game or at the very least put pressure on the ball so South, yeah. so South Korea doesn't get comfortable in your own half and just start swinging the ball around looking for the opportunities. Like, a, I don't know, it's like swinging a snack at like a snake or something, bro. Like you don't tempt a fucking <laughs> no, animal like man. that, man. Especially when a team such as South Korea can have such quality players that can surprise you at any given moment. I thought it was a very, very risky game plan yeah. here that then gave that spark to South Korea to then start moving forward, start swinging those dangerous, dangerous crosses that they know how to send in and start looking for opportunities, bro. Yeah, and there was they created so many opportunities all of them, 99% of them went straight at Alcazar, the goalkeeper for Saudi Arabia, who did well. He oh, was, he was definitely on, on it. He was put, Yeah, he was putting on a yeah. crazy show. And there was another play where uh, the defender, number 17 for Saudi Arabia, blocked two straight shots that went right at him with his shins, though. Yeah. Really good last-ditch defending yeah. for Saudi Arabia. But it just wasn't enough because Korea were able to get a stoppage time equalizer off of a cross to the back post, heading it back to Cho, who put it home 1-1. Yeah. The Korean Darwin Nunez. Cho, man. <laughs> I swear, he gives like that him. same energy and he looks like him, bro. <laughs> and his extremities, man. He can miss some. He can have some howlers, bro. He can have some howlers, but then he can also be at the right place at the right time. And Alcacer, bro, I actually saw Korean speculating that he has like a he has like a long-term illness because he couldn't stand up after every save, bro. <laughs> he couldn't stand up, bro. bro dude, he makes I, a save, he falls. I was low-key getting really annoying, man. Every time he made a save, he was like grimacing. Yes. Like he was just not okay. But yeah, I mean, he's I, sick, bro. It's he's sick. There's something he's wrong with his knees he's or something. I don't, I don't know what's <laughs> going on there, man. But yes, finally that opportunity came for Cho, who had hit the post just a few minutes before that with two minutes left in stoppage time they managed to tie it up i mean i lost my mind bro i yeah. lost my mind because i was just i was just I, I was so curious to see if this is how south korea leaves this match jurgen klinsman i've never saw him this passionate or emotional <laughs> with the u.s national team my god bro yeah. he's screaming out there he's showing so much so many emotions on the pitch and I just knew that this was going to set up for a crazy stage with a 1-1 draw with South Korea having so much momentum. I just figured that if they got that game-tying goal, then this game is probably theirs to win because they had all the momentum carrying them into the extra time. Yeah, and coming into that extra time, Saudi Arabia just settled it down for sure. Korea took their foot off the pedal and just because, you know, to save some energy for 30 minutes, not much really happened. Saudi Arabia stretched Korea just a little bit through Radif, but it was mainly solo efforts and Korea had a lot more of the ball but not as aggressive as they were in the final 30 minutes of yeah. regulation yeah I, I counted three opportunities for South Korea but I, you know people say have chances I would say this was like a three three fourths of a chance mm -hmm. here you know with the uh, King and Lee having a nice shot in the box but pretty much straight to the keeper nice yeah. save there were other opportunities on the counter but really not much that really w would have warranted a goal here and so it goes to a penalty shootout to decide the winner between these two teams. And, I mean, the stakes are high. You got Mancini on the sidelines and Jurgen Klinsmann as well. Both men knowing that if they get knocked out here, they're probably losing their jobs. Yeah, man. And, yeah, and the penalty shootout ensues, right? Korea looking very good, not missing, putting balls in the corner, side net, you name it, roofing it to the top. Saudi Arabia misses one. They miss another, mm -hmm. and on that second miss, dude, Roberto Mancini just, yep. <laughs> dude, <laughs> just crazy. Looks at the pitch, and he just starts walking towards the tunnel before the shootout was yeah. even over. Must be traffic. 
Uh, I can't believe it, bro. I can't believe it. Crazy, I mean, what, man. bro, what do you make of that? That image of seeing Mancini walk away from his team before the tournament, before the game is actually finished. He put in his res- resignation at that moment. That, but is that not a little disrespectful? That's he's done, man. He's done. He's not coaching I, this team no more. I know, but is it not a little disrespectful? Oh, absolutely. Like God, God damn. Yeah, I was so man. surprised by seeing that. I image. did not like that. I was like, Who do you think you are? Yeah, exactly, man. bro. Like the, I didn't like that at all. Look at the. This is your own fault. This is your own doing. What yeah. do you like? No, you stay here. You watch your team lose. <laughs> yeah. You watch this shit happen, bro. I can't. Be- I thought it was cowardly. I really yeah. did, and I just couldn't believe it. I don't think I've seen an image like that yeah. in a long, long time with a coach quitting on his team mm-hmm. before the final whistle is blown. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But you know, honestly, good riddance, man. The Saudi Arabian team has. <sighs> just been so weird this tournament they, they really have they have not dazzled really they had a big moment against Oman but it shouldn't have gotten there because they had dominated the match they couldn't get anything past Thailand the Kyrgyzstan game was pretty much handed mm-hmm. to them but again they play what's in front of them Saudi Arabia did do that they had a great defensive game plan against South Korea it's just if you're going for the title here Saudi Arabia just didn't do enough in this tournament at all I think it was just poor game management, and I, I highlighted it in the group stage. The Saudi Arabian offense is it's, it, it's energetic, but it's just disjointed. It's very isolated when it comes to who's creating the chances. It's mainly just Aldo Sadi, and when he decides to pass it, then maybe the players get the ball. But other than that, I, I thought Garib should have featured way more. His dribble penetration was so deadly when he was playing. And then outside of that, Mohamed Kano was good, but the rest of the midfield for Saudi Arabia did not show up creatively. So I think Saudi Arabia have a lot to work on when it comes to attacking opponents' defenses just because I thought it was pretty one-dimensional. The energy's there. The physicality on the defense is still there. So it's not end-all, be-all for Saudi Arabia going to the next World Cup cycle. I just think they have a lot to work on offensively. Yeah. I wonder what Herb Renard would have done with this team. I wonder, man. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. I wish he would have never quit or... Whatever happened, I wish he would have still been here coaching this side. But it's crazy, bro, because for the first, what, 60, 70 minutes of this match, I actually thought Saudi Arabia was deserving of this result yeah. because of how badly South Korea was playing, man. Mm-hmm. And I saw Klinsman so clueless in those moments. But ultimately, I end up being happy that South Korea is the team that progresses because when we talk about the peak that every single team in this tournament can reach, like the potential they have in terms of opportunities they can create, the way that they can choke an opponent out once everyone's really on it, I think South Korea does have one of the highest peaks, much higher than what Saudi Arabia is capable of. And so I do think that for South Korea, it's just about tapping into that earlier in their matches because they they keep doing this, bro, where they wake up really late into games and they're... By the grace of God, bro, they've been able to save themselves. It happened against Jordan where they were able to tie it late in that game. And then it happened sort of against Malaysia as well. And then 100% it happened in this match against Saudi Arabia yeah. where in the last minute of the match, they're able to tie it up. But they're they're getting away with it right now. But I am critical of their the way they turn their engine on. It's taken way too long, man. It really is. And they need to wake up and get started right off the bat in every single game from here on out because they are a really good team that has that potential, but they got to tap into it earlier, man. Yes. No, I, I completely agree. And if I was critical of Saudi Arabia in their exit here, even though Korea do move on, I'm very critical of how they performed here. And I think based off of this round of 16 match, I don't think Korea can win this. I really don't. Their performances, as you just laid out, so far in this tournament have been way too inconsistent within Mm -hmm. a contained 90 minutes. And I just don't think you can really rely on that. 
offensively too, as you said, it takes them too long to really turn it on and go at their opponent. And in this match, what Saudi Arabia did very, very well, shut down Lee Kong in. And that's the blueprint to how you completely turn off the South Korean offense because, dude, if Lee Kong In's not doing anything, man, Korea's, they're not doing anything as a whole. The midfield's just, there's not enough movement I saw in this mm -hmm. game. Like, there was a moment, 70th, 75th minute, when they started to really go at them, but the midfield's just kind of like looking to see who's, I'm like, guys, move, like, move the ball, make some runs, have some overlap, get creative. But Lee Kang-in right now is the only creative source in the midfield or out on the wing for this Korean offense. Son Hong-min is good, but he's he's playing a very central role for South Korea, which is fine, but you need more midfield creativity to feed that. And it's just not happening right now for Korea. So I don't think this team can go on to win this, mm -hmm. win this cup. That's what makes the matchup against Austria so interesting because that is how I feel about Australia, right? I mentioned that mm. before. We got two teams that... We each kind of are back in here as not winning the tournament. Yeah. Let's see who ends up coming out on top. Oh, yeah. For match rating, I give this one a 7.5. 7.5. Um, I understand it went all the way to penalties. It was exciting in moments. And yes, that crazy last-minute game-time goal was amazing. But I don't know. I feel like this game was missing a little bit of an extra punch that I was hoping for. Yeah, I'm, I give this one a 7.0. Both teams just frustrated me because mm -hmm. they just didn't give me what... A lot of other teams in the round of 16 have really given me. They some, a lot of teams have showed up. I don't think Korea or Saudi Arabia mm. showed fully showed up in this match. Yeah, I agree with that. And so for tomorrow, we have Bahrain facing off against Japan and Iran facing off against Syria. The last set of round of 16 matches. Look forward to that as well as our quarterfinals preview and predictions video. Guys, make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. Leave us your thoughts about these two matches. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.